0: Amen. Let's open our Bibles tonight to Ephesians chapter 4. Can we do that? The book of Ephesians chapter 4. Just as I uh, sat down or got ready to sit down on the platform, I looked back to uh, my left of the auditorium here and uh, saw some very, very, very dear friends of uh, the Prater family. uh, Brother Jerry Locke and his sweet wife Susan. It's good to have, raise your hands back there guys, that's him right there, Um, and uh, I I just, I can't, I can't even begin to explain to you um, how special that couple is to me, to our family. He was probably the second person I called after. I learned that T.J. died, and I said, Brother Jerry, I need you to come preach for me. I don't know, I didn't ask you if he had anything planned. Um, I knew if he did, and he could change it, he would, and Brother Jerry came and ministered our church during a very, very difficult time. Uh, 33 years, a pastor of Lake Worth Baptist Church in Lake Worth, Texas. Amen. one of my favorite preachers, at least in the top 200. I mean, he's, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, Brother Jerry, he's, he's one of my, a dear, he is a wonderful preacher, great expositor, prolific author, and I got one book, he's probably got 101 books, um, just a Christian gentleman, and uh, just so glad that uh, you came and, and uh, graced us tonight with your presence, at supper, one of the men asked me, he said, Do You know what you're preaching on tonight? And I said, Well, I did. Until I went golfing with a couple <laughs> of men from the church. So I, I changed it about three times. I thought, Well, I'm going to need to change it to cussing. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm going to have to change it, change it to lying. Then I'm going to have to change it to cheating. And he looked at me and said, Brother Gary's game must not have been very good today. <laughs> Amen. Oh, no, really, it was my game that wasn't uh, any good today. Um, and that's, uh, that's the truth. I uh, feel like Babe Ruth. One time, Babe Ruth said, It took me 17 years to get 3,000 hits in baseball, and I got that many in one round of golf. And so I can, uh, I can appreciate that. Uh, somebody said, hey, have you gotten to, to get out and, and, and see any of the area? And I said, well, we went to Turtle Creek. Is that where we went? Hill. Turtle Hill today. And I said, I saw all of it. <laughs> I'm talking all of it. Every, every nook and cranny. I didn't get to see the fairway much, but uh, I got to see everything else that uh, they had to offer. And, uh, but we had a good time. We really did. We had a good time, and and um, I appreciate them letting me uh, tag along. If you're in the book of Ephesians, um, I'm going to be reading verses 30 through 32. Why don't you stand real quick with me, if you would, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 30, 31, and 32. Paul writes and says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I want you to pay close attention to that last phrase tonight, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You may be seated. Everything went south when I turned 11 years old. That's how the email message began that I received from a a dear wife and mother in Fellowship Baptist Church a number of years ago. She went on to write, up until then, I guess my life was okay. My family was dysfunctional, and I knew that. My mom was a teenager when I was born, having been seduced by a much older married man. As a single mother, she didn't have the experience to survive on her own, so she did what she thought was best. She married. The only problem was she married a drinker. Her family and friends warned her, but she said that she loved him. And could change him. So I got a daddy. And some more siblings. Over the next few years. Daddy. In quotes. Was definitely not the endearing title. One would imagine. When referring to my father. Because he did not incorporate. The loving. Kind qualities. Of a daddy. Instead he drank. Cussed physically abused my mother, and verbally abused us kids. Then, when I was around 11, verbal abuse became the least of my troubles. I was awakened one night by the smell of alcohol and the hoarse whisper in my ear, don't tell mama. What followed It's not something I care to describe. In my adolescent heart, the abuse I was subjected to fostered a deep set of very complicated feelings. Anger, confusion, fear, anxiety, and frustration, to name a few. The disgust I had for my dad grew and festered inside me until it was like a malignant tumor engulfing my soul. It permeated every area of my life. With the Lord's help, I want to preach a message to you that I've titled, Forgiveness, Healing the Hurt You Never Deserved. And we're obviously going to be talking tonight about Forgiveness and, and what it is. And I feel uh, somewhat intimidated because Brother Locke has written a whole book on the subject of forgiveness. Um, and uh, you could order that, I think, off of uh, the, the Lake Worth Baptist website. But we're going to talk about tonight about what forgiveness is. But before we do that, let's talk for a few moments about what it's not. Forgiveness is not saying my hurts don't matter. Forgiving our offender doesn't minimize the seriousness of the offense against us. Secondly, forgiveness is not letting the offender, quote, get away with it. If someone wrongs us, he or she is answerable to God. And he will deal with that person in the right way at the right time. Something else that forgiveness is not, forgiveness is not a weapon. Forgiveness or forgiving someone doesn't give us the right to manipulate them at a later date by dredging up reminders of their supposed forgiven offense. Amen. And then I think it's important that we understand this tonight. Forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation. And here's what I mean by that. We may forgive, but we may never be brought into a right relationship with the person who wronged us simply because he or she may not be willing to cooperate. And that's not on us. We, we can do what we can do. But reconciliation takes two people. And we can just do what we can do. And then let me say this real quick. Forgiveness is not easy. You cannot do, I cannot do what we're going to talk about in this message on our own. It's humanly impossible. We need the help of God's Holy Spirit. Because let's be honest, forgiveness runs so counter to our natural person. It's not natural for us to forgive. What's natural for us is to get even, to fight back, to retaliate. Now, one more, one more thing before we get into the message tonight. I want you to understand what, what I'm talking about when I, when I talk about forgiveness. Here's what I mean tonight. It is the decision... To release a person from any obligation they incurred when they hurt you. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is a conscious, deliberate decision to release a person from any obligation they incurred when they hurt you. In other words, here's what you're saying. You no longer owe me an explanation. You no longer owe me an apology. You no longer owe me repayment. You no longer owe me anything because I am releasing you from everything. We've heard a lot of late about Forgiving student loan debt. And what they're talking about is releasing those who incurred the debt from the obligation of paying it back. That's what they are doing. We're going to forgive your debt. In other words, you don't need to apologize us for not paying it back. You don't have to explain to us why you, you haven't paid it back. You don't even have to pay it back. We're releasing you from all of those obligations. You owe us nothing. Does that make sense? So with all of that in mind, let's consider... Tonight, what real grace based forgiveness is. The first thing I would say from our text tonight is simply this it's remembering how much I've been forgiven. What did Paul say in our text? And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even, listen, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. If you mark in your Bible, I want you to underline or or circle or, or, or do something to draw attention to that phrase for Christ's sake. And then out beside it, just write the word grace. Grace. Listen, God didn't forgive us because we earned it. He didn't forgive us because we deserved it. He forgave us for Christ's sake. It's like this when I'm working at the police department and and I pull over a, a, a teenager. Most of the time, unless they've done something really stupid that put themselves or someone else in danger... I'm going to write them a warning. But I'm not doing it for their sake. I'm doing it for mom and dad's sake. Because mom and dad doesn't need that on their insurance. I've raised three kids. I understand that. I raised one that did a lot of stupid stuff. Amen. And so it's not because that kid didn't break the law. It's not because he failed to stop at the stoplight or, or, or whatever he failed to do. I, I'm not, I'm not doing it because he deserves a warning. I'm giving him a warning for mom and dad's sake. And, and, and. It's the same way with God's forgiveness of us. He's not doing it because I'm such a good guy and I'm such a righteous person and I'm so deserving of forgiveness. I'm not deserving of forgiveness. He's doing it for Christ's sake. And in turn, listen church, in turn we forgive others for Christ's Secondly, forgiveness is relinquishing my right, or my perhaps presumed right, to get even. Romans chapter 12 and verse 19, Paul said, Dearly beloved, it's quoting from the Old Testament here, Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, some people, some people struggle with those verses in the Bible that they don't understand. I'll just be honest with you tonight. I sometimes struggle more with verses in the Bible that I do understand. Verses like Romans chapter 12 and verse 19. Ouch. Ouch. Don't get even. Don't retaliate. Don't seek revenge. Don't wish harm to those who harm us. Then what am I supposed to do? Forgive. Release them from any obligation they incurred when they hurt you. But Brother Prater, that's not fair. Who said anything was fair about forgiveness? There's a word for fairness. It's called justice. Justice is fair. Forgiveness Is kindness in excess of what is deserved. Otherwise known as grace. We don't deserve forgiveness. We deserve justice. But aren't you glad tonight that God doesn't deal with us in justice. None of us would be here if God gave us what we deserve. Every one of us would be in hell right now if we got what was fair if we got what was just, if we got what we deserved. So listen, I would rather have God's forgiveness than His fairness any day. And isn't it interesting how we always want justice when it comes to others, but when it comes to us, we want grace. And let me just share this thought with you about justice. Forgiveness does not diminish justice. Forgiveness entrusts justice to God. We're saying I'm releasing you from any obligation you incurred when when you offended me or when you hurt me and I'm leaving everything else up to God. Do you understand what I'm saying there? What I'm saying is that when we choose to forgive, when we choose to release a person from any obligation they incurred when they hurt us, we are leaving justice up to God and we are refusing to take justice into our own hands. Now, that being the case, refusing to forgive means that we are unwilling to trust God with justice. And they're somehow convinced that it's best left up to us. As I said a few moments ago, God will one day settle the score himself. And church, listen to me tonight. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our help. Now let's be honest. It's a lot more self-gratifying if we can just maybe pitch in a little bit. Amen? I'm telling you, one day, one day he's going to right the wrongs. And you can take that to the bank. So forgiveness is remembering how much We've been forgiven. It's relinquishing our right to get even. And here's a third thing, if you're taking notes tonight, it's responding to evil with good. Look, look at Paul's words again, and be ye kind one to another. It reminds you of these words from Christ's Sermon on the Mount. You know, it's, in, it's from that Section where he said, "Now this is what you've heard, but I'm telling you what is right." And one of those, one of those little couplets there, he he said, "But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you." So, Brother Prater, how do I know if I've genuinely forgiven someone? And I would say that this is a pretty good indication. It's when you can do good to them and pray for them. Do good to them and pray for them. You say, man, that is a, like a really, really high standard. And it is. As a matter of fact, I go back to what I said earlier. As a matter of fact, it is so high that without God, it's impossible. We can't do it. There's no way. But when you come to that place where you can pray, God, bless the person who hurt me, then you'll know that the process of forgiveness is complete in your heart. Which brings us to our final thought. I don't get too excited. It happens to be the longest one. Forgiveness is remembering how much we've been forgiven. It's relinquishing our right to get even. It's responding to evil with good. And then I'd say this tonight, it's repeating the process as long as necessary. We're going to talk about two things here. We're going to talk about the point of forgiveness. And then we're going to talk about the process of forgiveness. The point of forgiveness is a definite time, a a specific time when you consciously and deliberately choose to release a person from any obligation they incurred when he or she hurt you. That means that you are on your face before God, and you are, you know exactly what you're about to do. You're doing it on purpose. You're doing it because you know it's the right thing to do. You may even call their name out before the Lord. And at that moment, at that moment, at that point, you're not looking for vengeance you're not trying to get even you're not wishing for bad things to happen to them you're not you're not focused on their failure at that point you're done with all of that that's what has brought you to your knees that has that's what has brought you to your face on your face before God because you're done you can you cannot do this anymore. You cannot live your life with that anger and that bitterness and that resentment. You, you refuse to be drugged around emotionally by that offense anymore. Amen. Lord, I'm done with it. They don't have to apologize. I don't need to know why they did it. I don't need to know why they said it. They don't have to pay me back. You with me? Amen. God, I'm done. I, I've got to unhitch myself from that offense. And at that point in time, and it is a specific point in time when you do that. And then following the point of forgiveness is the process Of forgiveness. At the point of forgiveness, you say, I choose to forgive you. Through the ongoing process of forgiveness, you learn to say, I will treat you as forgiven. Now, it's hard enough getting to the point of forgiveness, but it's seemingly impossible to get through the process. And you won't get through the process without the Lord's help because here's what's going to happen. After you have come to the point of forgiveness, you're out shopping. And you're at Walmart and you see them. And all of a sudden, all of some of you, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. It all comes back. All that anger, all that hurt, all that bitterness, everything that, that, that you gave up at the point of forgiveness, it all comes back. So what do you do? You go back To the point of forgiveness. God, I was just here like yesterday. And I meant it. Lord, I meant it with all of my heart. And you know what just happened. So God, here I am again. You've got to help me with this. This is harder than I ever imagined it would be. But God, I know I can do it with your help. I've released them and I meant it and then you get up and you you go through your life and you see them at a restaurant. (laughs) It's the same stinking thing. So what do you do? Just give up? Go back to the point of forgiveness. Say, Lord, it's me again. (laughs) It's me again, Lord. Lord. And you just rehearse all of that before the Lord. You see, every time you fail in the process of forgiveness, and you will fail, it'll happen. And every time you do, you go back to the point of forgiveness. Every time. And I promise you, from personal experience, I promise you tonight that if you will continue working through the process, you will reach the point of total and absolute forgiveness. Amen. Katie and I got to pastor some of the most loving kind, giving, supportive, loyal people on the face of the earth for 20 years. I mean, there were times we would look at each other and and, I mean, there were times we felt like God's pets. He was so good to us. And our time in the ministry as as pastor and pastor's wife was so incredibly rewarding. But there was one instance when somebody that we had poured our lives into as young people, as teenagers, I married them We served the Lord together for years. And they hurt us very deeply. Outside of the death of our son, we have never experienced pain like we experienced when they did what they did. And I'll be honest with you tonight. I didn't handle it real well. I was wrong. Part of the reason I didn't handle it well is because their their main attack was against my wife. You do what you want to do to me. But you attack my wife and my kids and it's on and I did not handle it well I'm just being honest tonight I hope I don't lose all of your respect I'm just being transparent with you I didn't handle it well and I was angry and I was bitter and I thought all kinds of evil wicked me bad nasty judgment against them preacher I remember the day in my office, I had two chairs on the other side of my desk. And I remember the day that I got on my knees before the Lord in my office. And I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm short with people, I'm, sh- I'm short with my wife, and she didn't even do anything wrong, short with my kids. I, I I'm 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 just in a bad spot. And Lord I, I've been here long enough. I'm done. I can't sleep at night. I'm angry all the time. And I'm not a good pastor. And I probably don't even have any business being in a pulpit. God I'm done I'm releasing them and I mean it and I did I meant it you know I just went through that scenario that's exactly what happened it wasn't, it wasn't but two three days and I saw her at Walmart and I turned the corner and there she was and I just turned around and walked out I just felt it all coming back. And you know what I did? I went back to my office. And I got on my knees. I said, Lord, it started all over again. you got to help me. I cannot do this. And then saw him at a, at a restaurant. Katie and I went in a restaurant. Saw them. She's much more spiritual than I am. I'm, I'm serious. She is. She that, that woman walks with God. Thank you, brother Jerry. That woman walks with God. And I told her. I said, "Let's go. We're not eating here, honey. It's okay." I said, "No. We're out of here." And we did. We turned around and walked out. Got better, I was doing good and I was sitting on a platform one day before a funeral and here they come. They walk in. It's like the audacity. And here's what made me mad is because I knew I was going to have to stand at the back of the auditorium by the casket and everybody's going to come by and shake hands and they were going to shake hands. And I wanted to punch them. So it was right back with me. It was right back And then they came to a wedding And they stayed for the For the reception And they're just mingling around talking to church people Like nothing had even happened and They weren't coming to church there anymore But they didn't have a problem coming back and mingling around And i like like just, just leave And so here we are at the wedding. What do what, what I have to do? I went all the way back over here. Now, church, watch this. Here's my point tonight. You're going to fail in the process because you're human. But here's, here's what I want you to notice. And I hope you noticed this when I was doing it. That Every time I failed in the process and went back to the point of forgiveness, I was a little farther along. Yeah. I was a little farther along. And to this day, God is my witness. If they walk through those doors tonight, I could shake hands with them. I could greet them. I could thank them for being here. And we could carry on a, a decent conversation. Why? Because the process of forgiveness is completed in my heart. Good. I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm telling you. It's done. But it was a process. It was hard. I had to have God's help. You say, well, Brother, Brother that that's all well and good. That's a good illustration and all of that, but you you just don't understand. Uh, you just you just don't understand. I don't know what they did to you, but it couldn't have been anything near what's happened to me. And I I I could never ever forgive them. And I would say to you tonight that you're right. And you're wrong. You're right. I don't understand. I don't know what happened to you. I don't don't know the hurt. I, I I don't know anything about it. But you're wrong in thinking you can't forgive them. Let me show you. I want to finish reading the email that I started reading to you at the beginning of the message. She went on to say this, when I was in my late 10 years, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. But I did not deal with my anger from a biblical perspective. And the burden and shame I carried inside would take its toll over the next 10 to 15 years. I married and had children, but I never told my husband about the abuse. The hatred and shame I felt still gripped my heart. She says this, unforgiveness is a hard taskmaster. I began to have physical health problems. I couldn't sleep at night. I had to have surgeries. I was falling apart. My marriage was in trouble. I feared that my husband would hurt our children the way my dad had hurt me. My husband could sense that there was something wrong, but I couldn't verbalize my feelings. A wall went up between us. I was an emotional basket case. Fear, hatred, and anger were growing bigger and bigger in my heart. Then, by the grace of God, I finally realized that the anger and hatred I had in my heart were not hurting anyone but me. I came to understand that a spirit of unforgiveness was destroying me. As I began to grow closer to the Lord and live in his word, a thawing began to happen in my heart. I began to heal. God's word became my closest friend. And and I love the way she puts this, and a fountain of grace began to flow over my wounded soul. Eventually, I was able to share my story with my husband. Our relationship began to improve. And more than that, my feelings for my dad began to change. It is truly a miracle from God. But the hatred I felt for him began to melt. I started calling dad on the phone from time to time. I could even visit him and not think constantly about the past the whole time I was in his presence. Alcoholism and a wasted life took their toll. And dad's health began to fail. I was able to stand by his hospital bed and hold his hand and even ask him if we could pray together. He was able to share his conversion experience and talk with me about heaven. As a little girl, I didn't have the kind of daddy I could hug or cling to or depend on in times of trouble. But recently, I've been able to walk alongside my frail elderly dad and chat as if there wasn't a care in the world and honestly know that there was no longer any anger in my heart and that the past is in the past. And she ends with these words, my heart feels at peace. Church, listen tonight, forgiveness can happen. But the process will be the same for you as it was for this person. You get closer to the Lord, you live in his word, and you grow in his grace. Now let me ask you this this evening. Whose face has been in your mind's eye throughout the course of this message tonight? Your mom? Your dad? A sibling? A once close friend? Maybe a spouse? Your spouse or Maybe ex-spouse. It could be one of your in-laws, or one of your children, or one of your stepchildren. How about a co-worker, or a boss, or a church member, or a church leader? What's important tonight is is not so much that you've seen their face. What's important is what you're feeling in your heart right now. That's the real indicator of genuine forgiveness. Are you angry? Are you bitter? if you could verbalize what you're feeling right now, would it be classified as what Paul calls evil speaking? If you've not yet reached the point of forgiveness, where you have released that person from any obligation they incurred when they hurt you, then that's where you need to begin. If you're currently struggling through the process, then I'd encourage you to come tonight and ask God for for the added grace that you need to begin again, again and again and again and again and again and as many times as you need to go back to the point and work your way through the process. Perhaps you're here tonight and you can't even begin to forgive someone else because you've yet to experience God's forgiveness of your sin. What a wonderful night to begin that journey. To experience the greatest forgiveness of all and that's God's forgiveness of our sin and to receive His free gift of salvation. Let's stand to our feet tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I'm not sure how God may have spoken to your heart tonight.